Namaste. Welcome to Buddha's teaching. My name is Soti Tim. First of all, I'd like to pay respect to the Buddha. I'd like to pay respect to the Dharma. And I'd like to pay respect to the Sangha. As we all know, Buddha's teaching is all about who we are. It's all about ourselves. It's all about self-realization and understanding of the truth, of the reality, of what everything is, ourselves included. So, yeah, in Buddha's teaching, we talk about body and mind. And it's worth going over the same materials every now and then. Because, you know, with any study, and especially the study of uh, Buddha's teaching, we don't get everything at the first try. For me, my experience has been that for certain lesson, certain teaching, I have gone over the same materials multiple times. And the first time I pick up something and then when I go over the same materials a second time, I picked up additional things. It's the same article, the same talk, the same books, you know, same sutra or the same uh, lesson in the Abhidhamma. Um, when I go over it again, then I pick up something and say, huh, okay, so this time as we go on into the study more and more into the teaching, and when we go back to the lesson that we have, that we have uh, gone through, we see that for me at least anyway, I picked up additional understanding. So the same word has different meaning. It gives me a deeper understanding into the teaching. It's like the same word, but it has a hidden meaning. Sometimes the state that same word give me three deeper like three understanding, three levels, even, you know, and it's the same word, but the first try, understand it like at a surface level in a way, and then the second round, then I see that same article, the same word has a deeper meaning, and sometimes the third round, even more, you know, which surprised me. And 
That's why it's it's worth going over um, some of the old materials that you have gone through, uh, you know, because there are many hidden gems in the teaching that depends on our level of understanding at the time that we study. And as we progress more and more, the, the we discover hidden gems in the same uh, teaching. <coughs> so, uh, body and mind, right? Um, for us all, uh, for most of us ordinary people, we identify ourselves with our body and, of course, with what we think, right? So first of all, let's talk about the body. When you wake up in the morning, you go brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, you see yourself in there. Right? So that's who we are, right? When we see that's me in there, that's uh, my reflection in, in the mirror. That's who I am. That's who we are. See? So that is one thing that how we identify ourselves is that we are the physical body. And that is our default state of mind. We are born with the body, so this body becomes who we are. And that is one of the things that the Buddha teach right, about the body. So, for example, if you, I'm sure you all have pictures and memories from back when, okay, you have pictures on your wall or in your wallet or in the album or on the video, look at your picture about five or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or more, depending on how old you are, doesn't matter. Bring out a picture that when you were at a much younger age, okay, and look at that picture. That was you, right? So you look at that picture and you say, that was me back then. Okay? That was me back then. Okay? So, and where you are right now, this is who I am right now. Okay? Remember, we are talking about the physical body. Okay? So, when we identify ourselves with the body 
Now, look at that old picture, the picture of younger you. When you said that was me, at that particular moment, okay, that me at, the, at that particular moment, is it a fixed me? That me at that particular moment is gone, right? It was just a picture, right? So that me is no longer there. <clears throat> Another word, what I'm trying to say is, if you identify yourself with that as an existing um, object, as an existing entity, wouldn't that me still be there? That little one, that younger one? But that little one is no, no longer there. That younger person is no longer there. Right? It was just a moment in time, right? That younger me, younger you, is now where you at, much older. Okay? So, another word, when we identify ourselves with the body, what is it? Is it a fixed body that does not change? Or it's a changing body? Right? So, you say it's a changing body. Okay? That me, then, was gone. It was just a memory. That me is now where I am at at an older age. So, the body that you identify yourself with is not a, a permanent object that does not change. Right? The body that you identify yourself with is a changing object. Okay? It's not something that is always there. It's always changing. It's always aging. Okay? And that is how you identify yourself with as a body. So that's one of the things that the Buddha taught. The Buddha said, how can you depend on something that is not reliable? How can you depend on something that is always changing? That, that thought about me is, is just it thought that that physical body that you think that is 
who you are is not really a who you are because it's always changing from one day to the next. There isn't something that you can grab, hold on to and say, yeah, that's it. That is me right there. Right? You can't because it's always changing. Okay? So that is the concept of impermanence. Okay? That is the concept of anatta. It's the concept of no self. In the physical uh in the physical realm of thing that even the even the body that we identify self with is not something that we can hold on to. It's always changing. So where exactly are you in terms of the physical body? The word me then becomes kind of iffy, right? The word I am that body becomes okay, where where am I in in, in that body? The body that is always changing. Right? One day you look young, the next day you have pimple on your face. The next the next thing you know there's wrinkle on you know under your eyes. Alright? So which one are you? You see? That's one of the things that we have to come to a realization. Am I the body or am I the thinking that is inside the body? Right? Am I the physical body or am I the awareness that is pervading the entire body, right? So that is the thing that you would have to recognize or realize for yourself that, hmm, is it true? Is it, is it the right thing that for me to, 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 uh, identify myself with this body yes it is something that right now i am aware of that i have this physical form but is this physical form really me is this physical form really who i am you see so it's a it's it's a concept that you have to dig into into it yourself. Look in the mirror, look at the picture, right? Look at the body and say, 
is that physical body is it truly truly the me what happened five years from now what happened next year or ten years from now will I be looking at the same body see you will not be looking at the same body you will be looking at a different body again so the body is just a body is that really you that is something for you to answer for yourself right stand in front of the mirror look at it and say and see that body truly truly and look at it and say is that me or is it something else is that me that physical body that i'm looking at or am i something else Who is looking? Who is thinking? So now the question comes down to Am I the body or am I the person who is looking? Who is thinking? Right? So that is one part of a study about who we are we have body and we have mind okay so for the for the physical form for the body this is how you look at it and this is how you break it down see and look at that and you say hmm and the truth it has to be found by yourself it has to come the realization it has to be done by you you ask that question to yourself okay see is that body me okay in buddha's teaching the buddha break down further about the body that the body is just a combination of skin flesh and bones and bloods and internal organs and that function that comes together as a body right that works uh, together perfectly to that produce this consciousness that we have okay so that's what the body does and when you break down and the Buddha said when if you identify yourself with the body point to the body of wherever you want to point to and say is that you 
if you point to the head, say that's me, then what about the rest? Okay. So if you point, if you say that no, the whole body is mine, is me. Okay, we're back to okay. If that is you, then what about five years ago? That was you also, but now where where did that you go? That you was gone. Right, that you was gone. Now you have a new you. You know, in a way. So, when you point to a body as who you are, you really point to just flesh and bone. Okay? There's no you that you can fix yourself to on a particular place of the body. Flesh and bone and blood and all that. And if you break it down further, the flesh and the bone and the skin and all that, you will go down and all the way to the molecule and the atom. There's no you anywhere that you can find. It's just physical form. But that physical form comes together to produce a magnificent recognition or experience for what we call you, right? So that body enables you to experience things. That body gives you the power, gives you the energy to cognize, to realize, to become aware, right? To experience. But, and that's, that's the function of the body. But is the body you? You answer that for yourself. Okay? You answer that for yourself. So that is about the body. So in the teaching, we have the next component is the mind. The mind that pervades the body. Okay? The mind body interconnectedness. How the mind works. Okay? So, Buddha's teaching concentrates mostly on the mind. Okay? I would say probably. 80 or 90% of the teaching is about the mind. The physical body is just a physical body that I have just, you know, gone over. And that is one of the things that is hard for people to 
let go because we all identify ourselves with the body. We are become, we are so attached to the body, right? And without understanding the law of changing, the law of impermanence of this body. And because of that, when we do not understand the true nature of the body, and we become attached to the body, of course, we are afraid when the body becomes sick, when the body age, and ultimately, when it's time for the body to break down, with which we call death. Every one of us is fear. The ultimate fear is death. Right? In Buddha's teaching, the Buddha called it a breakdown of the body. Okay? The Buddha do, did not call it as death. The Buddha said the body born, the body comes together, not born, the body comes together, the body goes through aging process, and the body breaks down. When the, when the, when the compounds cannot stay together any longer, it, it just simply breaks down. And that is one of the recognition that if you can understand that, then you can become detached to the physical form. Okay, the attachment to the physical form is very strong for most of us, especially, and this is natural, especially for young folks. Right? When you are young, you feel good, you feel strong, and you feel beautiful and handsome, of course, you identify yourself with that body. But as people grow older and older, they start to recognize that, okay, that body is not the same, you have less energy, less uh, drive or whatnot. Okay, and they become scared because the body is who people think they are and they become scared as they know that the body is heading to the breakdown. But if you can realize that, and if you can understand the nature of impermanence, then you can have this little release the, from the bondage to the physical form. Right? So that is one part of the teaching about the physical form.
So, without attaching to the physical form, then we come to, okay, so if I'm not the physical form, if I'm not the body, so I am the mind, right? I am the thinker. I think before, therefore I am, right? Like uh, Pascal said. So, now, because I am not the body, then I must be the mind. Okay? So, that would be the next teaching that the Buddha has. Okay? So, let's talk about the mind that we identify ourselves with. Since the body is not fixed, it's always changing, okay? So I'm not so much of a body, then I must be this soul or this mind that is occupying the body, right? So now it comes down to the mind. What is the mind, right? The one who is listening, the one who is cognizing the sound of my voice, who is that, right? So that is the next thing that we call the mind that we will talk about next. After this little break. Okay, so we are back. Let's talk about our mind. Alright, your mind, my mind, everybody's mind. Let's get into it again. What is mind? A mind is comprised of, as, as I have divided them into two parts. The mind that we use to think, you know, to solve problem, to do research, to study, uh, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, science, that kind of mind is what I call intellectual mind, right? Okay, and the other mind, which is we call the emotional mind, is the mind that, of course, we all know, has that feeling, has that emotion, right? The different kinds of emotion, the feeling you're happy, you're angry, you're mad, you're sad, you're ecstatic, you're jumping with joy, okay? 
depressed, jealous, you hate. That kind of mind is what we call emotional mind, right? So the two makeups are mind. So what is that? Let's go into that. Again, whose, whose mind is it and where does the mind come from? Who create this mind? For most of us, we think about things, you know, even though we go to school, we use our mind and we normally say we use our brain to study, we use our mind to concentrate, to to do what we need to do, right? So, because we think about all of, all of the things that we do every day, we, of course, naturally identify ourselves with this mind. Okay? So, when we are happy, we say, I am happy. Right? I is that happy. Right? When we are angry, you say, I'm angry. You know, I'm upset, I'm whatever. So, because that mind is who we are, or at least we, well, we don't think, we just, uh, we just accept it as that who we are. That's because as as far as we know, ever since we were born, this is what we are given to operate in this world, to see things, to hear things, to react to things, everything around us, the environment, where we grow up, the people we grow up with. So this is the mind that is given to us and it's become it, it becomes us. It becomes who we are. This mind that we have right now. The mind that you have right now. The mind that is thinking right now. Alright? So, whatever you are thinking right now, that is you. At least that's what you think. Alright? So, here is something I like you to think. Alright? Again, it's hard to get away from using words to reference to you, uh, you know, to, to communicate. So, we have to use words. We have to use language to communicate. So there's no way to get away from using the word you 
the word me or you or using the name but don't just get stuck with that all right anyway so in the morning the first thing that you get up okay when you get up you automatically come to yourself right you automatically come to yourself you recognize your surrounding where you went to sleep and it's pretty much the same place where you went to sleep right and then your mind start rolling okay and then your mind start rolling start thinking okay and who is doing that thinking all right think about this a little bit who is doing that thinking do you do that thinking or thought start happening by itself okay think about this all right here we go again we are we are stuck in this <laughs> thinking and not thinking all right so in the morning when you get up the thoughts start rolling it start doing the thinking okay the first few seconds that you get up okay you are in a state of no emotion you just wake up and that's it okay you are in you are in a state of no emotion and then your mind start rolling and start thinking okay are you doing the thinking or thought just happen by itself that's a question that you need to ask yourself am i really thinking doing the thinking or this thinking is happening by itself all right because see the and the first few seconds when you wake up you have no emotion but once your thoughts start to roll then it start to remember okay then it start to remember if you have let's say uh uh a fight or you had some kind of issue that you were you have been you have been having for two three day weeks or months or what not you or the thought that arise in you start to remember that again okay but it only kicks in after 
two or three seconds after you wake up. Okay, so when the thought start rolling and start remembering what had happened the previous night, let's say you have some kind of argument, you were, you were mad at someone before you went to sleep. When you get up in the morning, when you, your thoughts start rolling, the first few seconds, you are at a neutral state. But then thoughts just arise. You don't have to do anything. Thoughts arise by itself. And based on the memory that thought access, it creates emotion. It creates how you feel. Right? So if you have, if you had a negative experience the night before, the next morning you wake up and then thought roll and collect the same memory from the the night the night before and it sets you into that negative mode you see or it could be the other way around if let's say you plan a vacation you or you're gonna have some kind of party or you have a wedding or you know uh, a birthday party or whatnot the first few seconds when you get up you're fine you know, and then when and thoughts start rolling and you start remembering and thought put the smile on your face saying oh today we gonna Go to, we're gonna get married, right? Or today we're gonna go on a vacation and things like that. So it sets you into the emotion of that particular moment right after you wake up. So again, the question is that thought that arises. Do you invoke that thought or the thought arise by itself? You see? That is a question that you need to figure out. So, what is thought? Right? The thought is pretty much what we... Is synonymously uh, to what we call our mind, right? What we think, that's what our mind is. What we feel, that's what we think we are. It's because our mind is the feeling that we have. You see the thing that you you see those two gets mixed up together, the thinking mind and the emotional mind. 
they are mixed they the the two get is mixed up is intertwined with each other so that's why it's so critical it's so important for us to understand for us to be able to dissect and to break down our mind what is the mind right and how the mind comes to be okay how does your mind comes to be are you the one who is creating this mind or the mind arise by itself okay so what is the mind as i have covered in previous episode how does our mind comes to be how does it arise our mind comes to be it takes shape as a mind based on the six senses right based on the six senses the eye senses the nose senses the ear senses the tongue sense the the, the physical sense the body sense and the mind itself the central commander which we call the sixth sense right so you have the five sense doors plus the mind as a central um, cpu as a central command that kicks back out um respond or emotion okay so the mind happens instantaneously as soon as we wake up when we become when we come to our our waking moment our mind comes to be so this is something that the practitioner also needs to follow you know that's why it's so important that you know practicing is not just at any only when you are sitting down to meditate practicing buddhism is that you are following your mind at every single moment from the time you wake up until the time you go to sleep okay you have to follow what is the mind doing so what so the mind comes to be with the vision that we have without the seeing there's no mind that can interact with seeing right if you let's say if you blindfold yourself okay 
the that part of the mind that is that associate with this the vision that part of the mind is gone right because now when we see things our sixth sense our mind normally react to what we see something nice and beautiful we react to it positively something not nice something not beautiful we react negatively right but without the seeing that reaction is gone right that part of the mind is gone there's no more reaction because you don't see the same goes with the other four senses if you are deaf or you plug your ears totally or put yourself in a soundproof room and people talk to you you cannot make sense of it how can your mind react your mind cannot react when you cannot hear and there goes the part of your mind that is associated with the sound through the ear doors all right and of course now it applies to also your tongue when you taste food if your taste bud does not work especially in the recent time for a patient of covid 19 they have lost their the sense of smell and they lost their sense of taste so that part of the mind have no reaction to food that they consume and have no reaction to what they can smell because those senses are not working you see so that's so the mind our mind is put together with these five senses and then our sixth sense the the central command the mind itself spit back out the reaction and the emotion right so that's what our mind is okay so when is the mind happening the mind is happening all the time right and it's happening right now if you turn off the light let's say if you are in the room that you have the light on if you turn off the light the mind that associate with the vision 
is gone. Okay, so the mind happens in the present moment, right? In the present moment, the five senses are operating simultaneously. Okay, we are seeing, we are hearing. We are smelling, we taste things, and we feel the the temperature or the the touch to the surface and all that. Our mind is happening in the present moment. Okay. That's who. Pretty much that who we. Know of who we are in this present moment right now, right? So when you are asleep, your mind is gone. Then you, who identify yourself with the mind. Is also gone. You are nowhere, right? That you that identify itself with that mind. That you is called the ego mind. Okay. So. The mind that you have is happening in the present moment. Okay, the Buddha taught us about this very phenomenon that there is seeing right now. Okay. Through the eyes object. In order for vision to arise, you need to have your eyes. You need to have the the object that the eyes see. You need to have light. And you need to have cognition. Vijnana. With these four, then seeing appear. Right? Then seeing appears. Do you do this? You don't. Seeing is cognized with these four. By yourself, you don't have to do anything. Okay. You open your eyes in the morning when the eyes open. You don't open it. The eyes open itself naturally. When the eyes open, 
the eyes cognizing because their object, their light, and their cognition behind, and there arise the mind eye. You follow. So, the mind eye arise by itself. You do not do anything. You see, the mind eye arise by itself. When those, when you have eyes or eyeballs, whatever you want to call it, when there's object, when there's light, and when there's cognition, that is that goes on behind the eyeball, and there's arise vision, the mind eyes. The same goes with the other four senses. So your mind comes to be by itself. When you wake up, you're not doing anything. You don't do nothing. And thoughts arise. Because the sixth sense also wakes up and the memory start processing the information that we store in the brain. Right? So when memory kicks in, in the morning, memory brings back what memory stores. So when memory store bad experience from the night before, memory generate continue to generate the same uh, process, and it gives the data to the sixth sense, which in turn react to the data that memory sent. And that reaction from a sixth sense creates the emotion, negative or positive or neutral emotion. All of this amazing phenomenon happens by themselves you don't have to you don't do anything you see you don't do anything they just come by themselves and there you are boom but for most of us we said we are the doer. We are the thinker. We are doing this stuff. But in reality, we are not doing anything. All of these organs that we have, that the, that the body has, they function by themselves. Naturally, 
and automatically. We don't do anything. We don't tell our heart to pump blood. We don't tell our lungs to breathe. We don't tell our liver to do its job. We don't tell nothing in our body to do their function. They do it by themselves automatically and naturally. Okay. They do everything. The body does everything by itself. It means so. Again, that means the mind that we have is functioning by itself. You are not doing the thinking. Okay. You are not the doer. There is no doer. There is doing. Okay, but you have to catch this. Again, I have to say you. But when you come to a level of understanding that there isn't anything really that you do. It's just the mind that is doing its this stuff by itself, and the emotion that you have that you say, "I am mad" on stuff like that. It's actually a reaction, a natural reaction of the ego mind. You see, the mind is doing all this naturally. You don't. Plan when you go to see a show, or when you watch a movie or a TV show or what or not, you are not you don't plan ahead of time, saying, "Oh, I'm going to laugh when this person say this or when this person do this or stuff like that." You, you just laugh. There's no planning. You're not doing anything. The mind does the laughing when it sees things that make it react. The mind cry according to what it see and hear and all that. Right? You are not planning to cry. You are not planning to laugh. The mind is doing all that stuff. Throughout your day, throughout your day, when you wake up in the morning, do you plan that? Okay. Right now, let's say you wake up at six o'clock. Do you plan? Okay, at seven o'clock, I'm gonna be happy. At eight o'clock, I'm gonna be mad. At nine o'clock. I'm gonna be okay, normal, back to normal. At eleven o'clock, I'm gonna argue with somebody. Do you plan that? Nobody plan that. You're not doing anything. 
It's the mind that is reacting to things that create the emotion at that particular place and time. Right? So, again, this is also related to the notion, related to the the teaching of non-self, of anatta. Okay? That the mind that we identify ourselves with is actually doing all the stuff by itself and we think we are doing it okay and there's a deeper deeper study into this i'm sure you have questions that arise in your mind that say but right now i am doing the listening I am in control, right? That I am doing the listening right now. What are you talking about? I am in control of of the mind. I am doing it. Okay? But if you think it through, okay? Because this this, this is deep, okay? This is getting deep. And I don't want to go too deep because there's just so many things to cover that goes on. Um, the mind arises due to cause. Okay? In Buddhism, the Buddha taught about cause and effect. There's always some kind of cause and there's always effect. The mind doesn't just arise by itself. There's cause and there's effect. And this cause and effect is, is the multiple cause and effects that is flowing all the time, right? It's like a stream of cause and effect that is happening all the time. So, what you are doing right now, you, are, you say that I am listening. Okay? When in fact, the mind, the, the cause of the listening is there is a reason behind it. Okay? There's a reason behind it that cause you or the mind to want to listen. Right? So what is the cause? You see? What is the cause behind this listening? The cause behind the listening is that quote-unquote you you want to find out more right there's the one behind it there's it there is 
desire behind this. Okay. So desire create the cause. Right? And the cause result in this listening. Okay? So there is desire behind it. And where did that desire come from? Okay? Where did you have the the desire from? Why do you desire to listen to this? Why do you have desire to study this? Okay? Now, you go back behind that desire. There's reason behind that desire. Okay? The reason behind that desire is because there is something, something that you know. If you keep looking back, oh, the reason is, is, is because there's something else that triggers it. You heard something somewhere or there's some this kind of event in your life that create the cause, that create the desire. So it's a domino effect. From one thing to another, it leads to this. And all of that is happening in the mind. You see? All of this event is tied together. It's the phenomenon that happens within the mind. So the mind, the, 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 the string of that mind process creates the domino effect from one thing to the next. I know this is kind of deep. I hope you you at least get some thing out of what I'm trying to say here. Okay. What it boils down to is this: everything that you think you do has its root, has its cause, and that cause has its root, has its cause. And it's go on and on and on and on back into eternity. Alright? And, yes, that eternity loops around back into full circle that we call samsara. Okay? It just go on and on from one phenomenon to the next. And it's just one incredible happening that is beyond uh, understanding. So get, let's get back to this mind. So the mind that we have is always happening right now. Okay? All we know is that about the mind that we have 
we are aware of things right now, the mind that is happening right now is happening in this present moment, okay, which is in the now. The seeing that you see right now, if there's no light, you don't see. When the light turns back, when if you flip the light on, you see. So the mind is always happening in the present moment, right? The mind that gives us this sense of experience, the sense of of our, our existence in this universe, this mind is always happening in the present moment. Right? That's why the teachings always point us to look into our mind. What is happening right now? What goes on in our mind right now? What kind of emotion that we have right now? What is it? When we meditate, we follow our mind. What is the mind doing? Right? Because the mind always happens in the present moment. The mind does not happen in the past. The mind does not happen in the future. You are aware of who you are right now. You are not aware of who you were five minutes ago. You only know about you, who you are, at this present moment, when your mind is active right now. So that relates to a, a topic that a lot of people discuss about, about time, right? That is there such a thing as past or future? You see, that's why. That's one of part one. One section of the teaching that talk about not to live in the past, because the past is just memory. The past does not exist. Okay? The past does not exist. It's just a memory. If the past exists, we can travel, we can go to that past. But the past does not exist. The past is in the memory, which is now. The same goes with the future. The future does not exist. The future is just a plan in the memory that is functioning, that is operating right now. Right? There is no past. There is no future. 
there is only now. It's always now and now and now. Right? So now is all you have. I like the phrase that they say, the past is a history, the future is a mystery, the present is a gift. What you have right now is a gift. A gift of being alive. A gift of being able to cognize things. It's the most wonderful gift that is beyond words. Right? Right now. So, with this kind of gift in your hand, what do you do with this gift? The gift of life that we have. What do we do with this gift? You see? Do we use this present moment to create suffering within? To do what? You see? What is the purpose of being suffered? Why would you want to use this precious, this precious gift that is given to you to put stress, to put pressure, to put all kinds of negative things into your life while you can spend this precious time enjoying life, doing good. By coming to a realization that this special moment, this the gift that is given to all of us right now is literally a once in a lifetime. It's not going to be repeated ever again. This present moment that is happening right now and now and now, it is not going to be repeated. Once it's gone, it's gone forever. Okay? This is a realization of who we are. Okay? It's a realization of what the mind is. That the mind that you have the mind that I have is just a mind that enables us to cognize things. The mind does not belong 
to you. The mind does not belong to me. The mind is just the mind that enables us to be here in the present moment. Isn't that wonderful? If you can recognize that mind, and you can use that mind in the proper way, because as a human being, we know what is good and what is not. We know because we have this special thing inside of us that we all can admit and we, that we all can realize that when we do good, we do feel good. Um, our, our heart feels nice, full of compassion and and at ease. We know when we don't feel good, when we're not with one with nature, when there's disturbance, we know this nobody have to tell us, but we ourselves we sitting down or we walking restlessly. We have negative thoughts running in the head. We know that is not something that we want. Right? You don't have to tell me. I don't have to tell you. You know. When you have peace of mind, and you know when you are full of stuff in the head. Okay? Why are you full of stuff in the head? The thinking head. It is because of it is because of what is it? I'll give you three seconds. One. The Buddha thought about what? Greed, anger, and ignorance. Those three poison occupy the head and turn and twist your the thinking head into a monster. Make you wake up in the morning or make you a person that you go in the daily life, a person that is not with him or herself. It destroys your present moment. It destroys the gift that is given to you. The mind that is full of greed, the mind that is full of anger, the mind full of hatred, the mind that is full of ignorance. Destroy the gift that is given to you in the present moment. Okay. So, 
I hope you realize something about what the mind is. Okay, because the mind is something that you have to watch. Again, I have covered about the emotional mind in previous episode and the intellectual mind, the two minds, that if you have not listened to it, please uh, go back and listen to that. Once you recognize what the mind is and you get a release, when you get to the point that you can understand, you can realize that this mind that I used to identify myself with is not really mine. It's doing its own function, literally. But because we have been accustomed to this mind, this mind becomes who we are. Ask yourself, where are you when you go to sleep? If you identify yourself with your mind, when you go to sleep, the mind is gone. Does that mean you are gone? You see, there is life. There's life that is still there. That life, that energy that is still there, which is not the mind, that life is you. You see that? That life is you. But you have to be able to recognize that you are the life. You are not the mind. But you need the mind in order to recognize life. But you are not the mind. If you can come to that realization, then you can have a detached from the mind. Even though the mind is still there, you can see the mind, but the mind is no longer you. You see, that is called the release or the, lib- the, the liberation. Or an awakened moment, which sometimes we call a touch of nirvana. And there are people who ask, or sometimes people say, what happened if you reach nirvana? Would that be like uh, some kind of annihilation of something, or you go into oblivion, or the people who are afraid of nirvana, right? They say, huh, what is nirvana? So that is something 
I want to touch on a little bit. What happened after you reach enlightenment, right? All right, I'll be right back after this. A little break. Okay, so I've talked about that the mind is not who we are. The mind is just the thought. But we've been so accustomed to identify ourselves with our mind, with our thought. We are not aware of it, right? So, mind arise, mind subsides, depending on whether we are awake or we are asleep. By identifying ourselves with our mind, we are caught up. We are entangled in this commotion, in this uh, day-to-day feelings and uh, the, the, difference up, the different ups and downs in our emotion, which in turn when we have this emotion, we tend to produce action, which we in in the form of speech or physical activity. So, speech and our action create karma, and. With this, is as long as we produce karma, we are in this cycle. We are in this loops forever and ever, which we call samsara. Right, so. That's what samsara is. Samsara is created by our own mind. The mind that generates feeling, generate emotion, and this emotion, this feeling, create action. The form of action is in speech and in the activities that we do. And this create all of the the things, the manifestation that we see in this world. So the manifestation of life, that's what it is. It's the product of the mind. 
but life itself as you and I, we are here at the life is at the background of the mind. But since life needs the mind to manifest, without the mind, life cannot recognize itself. Okay? Without the mind, life cannot recognize itself. So, life needs the mind to manifest itself. The problem that we are facing with is that because life uses or manifest because of the mind, the mind sits on top of as a, as a layer outside of life, around life. So, because of this, mind, the mind clings to itself as an existing identity. And that is what nature is all about. It's natural for the mind to identify itself with the recognition of things. When the mind is not aware that without life behind behind it, mind does not exist. Right? So, these two mechanisms work together. Life itself behind the scene needs the mind in order to cognize the world, the universe. The mind, because of that, the mind comes to the world realization because of the energy force behind it that enables the mind comes to be. And the mind think that it exists. You see? So that's why for most of us who are not aware of this mechanism, of this interaction between what life is and what the mind is, we are lost in this reality. We are lost in the illusion of the mind. Alright? So, the mind is just the mind. And again, the mind is able to cognize things through the five sense doors and the sixth sense we call mind. It 
comes to be is because there is life energy behind it. Okay, and that life energy pervades the entire body. Okay, that life energy pervades the entire body. Without energy, nothing flows inside. Okay, so life is energy. And energy, that's why a lot of people uh, often reference life as energy or as light. Okay, so with an understanding, the one who is awake comes to a realization and comes to this separation of life itself or the background consciousness. There's a separation between that and the mind, which we call the ego mind. Okay, so when that happened, the ego mind so disappear. When that happened, an awakened one stop identify themselves with the mind. But they recognize that the mind is a necessary tool for life to manifest. Okay? So, the mind is a necessary tool in order for life to manifest. Without the mind, life cannot recognize itself. So, here we are, you and me. We are the manifestation. We are recognizing our surrounding because of our mind, right? Which is the six senses that work together, right? The six senses that works together that create this mind. So once a person is able to recognize this, there is that separation, that there is that detachment okay, from the ego mind. And what is this detachment again? It's the detachment of, from desire. Okay, because at the background of the mind, there is desire. Right? Life comes to recognize itself. Okay? The manifestation happens due to desire. 
if there is no desire, the mind does not manifest. So, another word, all living beings on this entire planet has desire as its root. A desire to quote-unquote exist, a desire to recognize itself. So all the manifestation that we are recognizing is one. It's just different life shows up in different form of manifestation. Okay. Life shows up in human Life shows up in animals. Life shows up in insects. Life shows up in plants. Right? But so, life manifests in all kinds of form. The different manifestations is a result of life that is manifesting itself. Okay. That's why you often heard that there are many sages that say at the root we are one. And what is that one? That oneness is life. So there is life, and that life, as you now sitting there, I am here sitting here, we all experience life through different manifestation. But at the very root, this life pervades the entire universe. Life is one and life is eternal. Life is everywhere. See, that life, you can call it God. You can call it what you want. But that's what it is. It pervades the entire universe. And how that comes and how life comes to be as we recognize it is by the manifestation. And according to Buddha's teaching, in order for manifestation to happen, there are four requirements. Okay, the four elements that are required in order for life to manifest. And the four elements are earth, 
wind, fire, and water or moisture. Right? Fire represents temperature. It's not fire, fire itself. Fire in this sense means temperature. And earth in this sense, it means those particles, those atoms, those molecules. Molecule. And there's need air. Air acts as uh, as as a form of of lubricant in a way that enable that uh, not exactly lubricant. Air is is a is a form that is in between the molecule because it's not possible to have that for something to be solid without space in between that air or space there's, there's, there's something always in between and moisture or water is the lubricant that enable particles to move so the four elements are required at the proper at the proper um, condition in order for life to manifest okay so like temperature if the temperature is not at a proper condition life cannot manifest See, Buddha's teaching goes deeper and deeper and deeper until you finally get to the point of oneness that you can uh, get to understand what it's all about. So there are oftentimes many questions arise during the Buddha's time or during this time, that where do men come from? Right? Where do men come from? Or where do everything come from? E- either animal or insect. Who created that? Right? The origin of life. I'm sure you heard of that question. So, there's no origin, there's no beginning, and there's no end, according to Buddha's teaching. Okay? There's no beginning, there is no end. Everything is in, all the things here is in the cycle, is in the loop of samsara. And... The question of where men come, where, where we come from, where animals and all that come from. With that, the Buddha said, everything happened according to 
in Pali word is called Pachai. Pachai means the proper condition. Okay, according, uh, there has to be proper condition for life to manifest. So without proper condition, life does not manifest. For example, what is the proper condition for vision, for seeing? The proper condition for seeing is you need eyes, you need object, you need light, and you need that vijnana or the cognition ability, capability behind it, which is energy. See, that's the proper condition for seeing. The same goes with life. There's need for proper condition in order for life to manifest. When the condition comes together properly at the at the uh, manifestable status, I would say, then life happens. Okay, so that's the the that's what the Buddha answer. Everything has its cause and condition, and that's there's that and that's 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 all to it. In Buddhism, the Buddha never teach about God creating anything. The Buddha only taught about what comes to be and how things come to be. What is existence all about? What is it that we are looking at or looking for? What is our life? What is it? That's what the Buddha taught. The Buddha do not taught, teach about angel, do not teach about uh, God, the creator, or anything. And yes, there are stories in the sutras about the different realm of existence. Through with all the different realm, all the different realm of existence is something that is beyond our mind capability to recognize. And it's not something that the Buddha encouraged us to dream about it or to think about it. Okay? The Buddha just uh, told us according to his supra uh, capability, his extraordinary capability in seeing the different life forms. 
but doesn't matter. The Buddha said no. Just understand who you are right now at this present moment. That is all we need to know. That's all we need to know. Just understand who you truly are and that is good enough. Right? So one once a person is awake, the person is on the path of letting go. It depends on in I'm gonna say on individuals, okay, because there's no individual, but I'm gonna say it depends on individuals. There are people who awaken all of a sudden, it just boom, it hits them, and they are fully awake. And there are other scenarios that the awakening process takes time to process, but they become aware of the happening, and they become aware of the path the awakening, right? So, a fully awake or on the path of awakening, one will become detached, will let go of the attachment to the thinking mind, the mind that thinks that it exists, the mind that thinks of itself, as of itself as a self. That is the teaching of no self, right there, okay? So once when one recognizes the truth of the mind, the letting go process starts. Then one starts to become less detached, less bogged down with the mind activities. For most human beings, we are bogged down grounded due to our mind activities. The mind that is running at a thousand miles per hour. The mind that is heavy. The mind that think about this, about that. The mind that is going after this, going after that, right? Going after material things, going after pleasure, the mind that is heavy, okay, because that kind of mind is very busy, busy mind. The mind that is always looking for something to 
make itself happy to make itself complete. So the heavy mind keeps going and keeps looking and keeps running from the waking moment until the, the body goes to sleep. The mind is always chasing, is always looking for something, right? An enlightened one is detached from that looking, from that searching. The, an enlightened one is aware of the mind, of the mind activities. And an enlightened one will come to that realization that about the manifestation and the function of the mind which has its necessity in order for life to manifest. Okay? So, once there is liberation, or we call enlightenment, or nirvana, okay? One is there and is able to recognize the world from a different perspective and not from under the control of the mind anymore. Right? One is able to see the mind and recognize the mind, not under the control of the mind, but becomes what we call a f- uh, friendly to the mind, or the it's like becomes one with the mind, but without the mind as being the controller. You see, that is kind of hard to, to describe. Enlightened one and awakened one is now one with the mind again, but without the mind in control. The mind is still functioning normally, but without this heavy weight on it, without this longing, the, the, the looking for stuff anymore, because now the mind becomes complete. It's not lacking anymore. The lacking mind is the mind of most ordinary people who's always looking for stuff. Right? Whether all kinds of pleasure that you name it, everything that you do on a daily basis. We're going after this, we're going to places and all that. Going uh, to the movie, listen to the music, uh, doing fun stuff, all of that. Right? An enlightened one does not deny that. But the an enlightened one recognizes these mind activities and is not attached to them. You see? So, what happened after enlightenment? There are many people 
who cannot understand this, they say they have question that. Hmm. One, you reach nirvana. Does that mean you don't enjoy life anymore? Does that mean you become like a cold person, that living in solitude, no connection to society and all that? No. And enlightened one, just like the Buddha, he lived among people. Right. He lived among people. He communicate. But the mind is full. Is complete, and is not attached to the mind activities. You see the difference. The mind is full. The mind is complete. It's it's something like this. Picture. This okay. What 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 is an enlightened mind like? You have mosquito bites or ant or ants bites before. I'm sure. After the bite, you get a bump on your skin, right? A red bump, and it's itchy. Right, it's itchy. So when you scratch that spot. That itchy spot, it sort of makes you feel good, right? You scratch on it, say, "Oh yeah, it's okay. It feels good." And then when you stop itch, when you stop scratching it, a little bit, and then it's itch again. So it gives you the urge to scratch it again to calm down that itchiness. And you scratch it, you scratch it. And then after a while, it becomes a little bit kind of painful, and then you stop, right? And then you stop, and then a little bit later, it's itchy again, and you want to, and then you scratch again. Okay, so the mind is like that. the The itchy mind is that it goes from. One itchiness moment to the next, it keeps going, and then the mind, and then you, try to fulfill that itchiness of the mind. Okay, which is what is the itchiness of the mind, the pleasure that we run after. Okay, from one things to the next. After you get something, and then you feel happy. And a little bit later, something else, the mind tells it, "Hey, I want something else." The itchiness arises again, and you have to scratch it again. Right, and this process goes on and on for the entire life. Because, unfortunately, this is how manifestation works. We are born with this default itchiness. Okay, we are born with this default mode that is called itchiness or ignorance. In Buddha's teaching, it's called ignorance. So, in comparison, 
I'm going to call it the itchiness of the mosquito bite. Okay, so we keep scratching the red itchy spot. What is Nirvana like? The word Nirvana is like you don't have the mosquito bite. Okay. There's not there's nothing to scratch. But see, right now you know what it is that you when you don't have the mosquito bite, you normal you don't need to scratch that skin is at peace. Right? The problem is we when since we were born we never get to experience the normalcy of the skin. We are always itchy all the time. Since ever since we are born we are always itchy. So the itchiness becomes the norm. You follow? The itchiness of the mind becomes the norm. And and when the itchiness of the mind becomes the norm and we identify ourselves with this norm, which is the itchiness of the mind, we never know what actually normal is. We thought normal is the itchiness of the mind. When it in fact, if there is no itchiness, that's where normal is. So that's what nirvana is all about. Nirvana means the letting go of all of this commotion, this attachment. Okay? This attachment this longing, this desire, okay, the 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 pursuit of this, the pursuit of that, it's not that you don't have to you don't have to earn your living. That now that you have manifested, you have to take care of it. Alright? Now that you have you are a a, a a small particle of life itself that is manifesting life that manifests through you needs to be taken care of you need proper nourishment you need proper place to stay you know you need the proper things to take care of this of the manifestation you. There's no question about it. But that's all there is to it. Right? See, the life of an enlightened one is very is very easy. It's it, it's like you you would feel like you're not heavy anymore. You're not bogged down to the ground or get tangled up in the in the commotion of the mind activities. 
of an awakened mind is a liberated mind. It means the mind that is no longer entangled, no longer bogged down, tied down to all the stuff. And that mind is can only be experienced within an awakened one. Right? There's nothing to show, but an awakened one is like that. Okay? It's no longer itchy. The mind is calm. Right? Can you picture that? The mind of an enlightened one is calm. Okay? There's no more attachment. There's no more desire. There are things that need to be done. Then the enlightened one will, of course, do it. But it's not out of desire. Right? So there's no annihilation after nirvana. Okay? There is no darkness after nirvana, after enlightenment. Enlightenment. There is liberation. There is life that is supposed to be what life is supposed to be. A life that cherishes each other. A life that look at each manifestation as themselves. It's, there is no more separation between you and I. You see, it's a life of one wholeness. That's a life of liberation. It's an understanding. It's a deep understanding. And this is something that you have to go through yourself, understanding this by yourself, realizing this by yourself. That's what Nirvana is. Okay? So, Nirvana does not require, as you, as some of you probably come across, the word jhana. Jhana is a state of meditation that some meditator get to experience. And there are different levels of jhana. And the Buddha himself had reached the highest level of jhana when he was practicing with a couple of jhana teacher right after he left the palace. But even though after he reached the highest level of jhana with the superpower, the super capability of of manifesting extraordinary power, the Buddha still said, that's not it. Jhana is not what does not bring one to the ultimate reality. Jhana does not bring one 
to the ultimate realization or liberation or an understanding of what life is all about. So there it is. After enlightenment, you stop scratching the mosquito bite, the itchiness. And you release, and you're done with desire. You're not attached to the mind desire. You let go of the tie to the mind activities. You just experience it, you observe it, and you know it. And that's you. That's all there is to it. Yes, I hope you get something out of this episode. This is like a one complete things wrap up in summary of the teaching. Again, if you have any question or any uh, suggestion, you can leave me a voice message or you can message me with any question and just like the other day thank you for your question brandon and i hope this episode answers some of the questions that you have until later date may you all be well Namaste.